This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 337. And the quote of the day is from Hasso Plattner, who said, we have to be able to adapt to new situations. It's another form of the definition of intelligent behavior. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. And beyond, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here. This is session 337 of the podcast. Hope you're well. Hope you had a great weekend. And yeah, I'm just, man, it's been a it's been a very good past couple of weeks. I have so many interviews that are in the back catalog waiting to come out. I think we're about, I don't know, maybe nine or ten weeks ahead of schedule, which is which is really cool. Sometimes we're we're under the gun and scrambling to get it done and uh now we're we're pretty far in advance. So it's cool. There's a lot of really, really great interviews. And these interviews are all made possible by our amazing sponsors. And one of them is Musicians Institute in the heart of Hollywood, California. And Musicians Institute has been there since the 70s and you can go there, you can learn from skilled People who have been there, done that, have recorded, have toured, who've worked in the music industry, and all of their professors, there's no full-time professors, they all are out in the field doing their thing and actually playing and but are just coming in a few hours a week to teach and things like that. So it's an amazing opportunity to take your career to the next level. You can learn more about Musicians Institute by going to mi.e. D-U. Hey, if you're feeling good and feeling in the giving spirit this holiday season, do me a favor, head over to drummersresource.com forward slash support. You can support the podcast and you can donate a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, five dollars a month. Every bit helps. And if you get value out of this podcast, I ask that you do that. That helps us put out more content. It helps, you know, keep the lights on here at Drummers Resource. So again, that's drummersresource.com forward slash support. And now that some house cleaning is out of the way, let's get into this conversation. This is with Steve Pruitt. And Steve is originally from the Texas area. And we talk about his upbringing. We talk about how he was playing with Snarky Puppy. And then he moved to Seoul, South Korea. And so now he's there and doing clinics and all sorts of other things, but just a, a really enlightening conversation. And for those of you who follow Steve on Instagram and have seen any seen any of his clinics, excuse me, the man is an animal. He is just an amazing player, uh, a, a great craftsman, and it's just an honor to have him on the show. So without further ado, let's get into it with the one and only Steve Pruitt. Steve, how are you, my man? I'm fantastic. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a long day. There's been had a lot of interviews today. Sometimes it's like feast or famine. Everyone's like, "Hey, can you do Wednesday?" I'm like, "Sure, let's do it." Uh, so some days I have none. Some weeks I have none, and then today I had four, and then I have five tomorrow. So oh uh, wow, crazy. well I'm I'm live I'm living in the future. I'm just getting my day started here in Seoul, South Korea. I was gonna say so. I was gonna the next question was where are you now? So you're in <laughs> Seoul. Well, I knew that you were. I I knew that the the most recent uh, thing that I saw was that you were in Seoul, but I wasn't sure if you were still there or not. Sure. Yeah, I've been living here for the last four years. How do you like it? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really love it. Nice. I mean, you know uh, the. I mean, the biggest thing is that no matter where you move to or no matter where you go, 
it's a matter of uh, like there's going to be trade-offs. Like there's some things that are going to be better. There's some things that are still going to be difficult. There's some things that you'll miss. You know, so I think it's all about just personal attitude to be able to survive no matter where you go. Do you speak Korean uh, though? A little bit, and little. I can I can read uh, and I can kind of understand what's going on, but uh, but I <laughs> admittedly uh, I haven't actually studied. <laughs> I mean, no. I need to, but I haven't. <laughs> so how'd you end up in Seoul? Well. Um, Let's we'll see. talk. It, we'll coming. we'll we'll rewind after this, but I'm curious now because we're talking. Oh no, about no, it. it's, it's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, like uh, for the last, I've been coming here on and off, like for touring and stuff for the last almost ten years, and um, and then eventually, uh, like a friend of a friend, uh, a lady. <laughs> uh, I knew there was. I knew there was a lady in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, there was. I mean, there. I mean, that's the main factor. But also, you know, uh, I was kind of, I was kind of in a rut myself, and mm-hmm. I was kind of ready to like do something totally, uh, totally different. And you know, like some people want to. I mean, there's a lot of musicians want to move to New York or L.A. or Nashville, and I mean, all those places uh, uh, are are great too. But man, I I was just like totally feeling something different. <laughs> so, uh, and. It, and actually, you know, me and me and my wife, I mean, we had a long distance relationship for like uh, over a year. So I would come here every other month. Um, but when I came here, I would always manage to get some sort of like big, like like recording sessions or I played a jazz festival or I was able to pull something like that. Like whenever I come here, like I just tell some people and they say, oh, OK, I got this thing for you. And I was like, man, maybe I should just move there. <laughs> you, you know, know that you saying this and I'm going to be careful at the, the way I ask you this, but oh, don't worry. Don't but worry. did it seem, but w- did it seem easy? And then you were like, man, this just makes sense. Like, and, and what I mean by easy is like, so I lived in New York for six years and I always felt like I was like running uphill. Right. Mm. But in LA, I've been going to LA since 2003 and mm. LA since the day I stepped off the plane, the first time I was ever there, it was just easier for me. Mm. It's, mm-hmm. And and when I say easier, it just it just clicked for me, and so that's why I was asking. Like, did it did it seem like man? It, it seems like things just happen to go my way in this town, and it feels right. Sure. Well, um, for me here, uh, I would say the answer is yes and no. Like, uh, Seoul is a very livable city, mm-hmm. and uh, it's I mean it's really yeah I mean really clean and i mean you know there's many things like just regular everyday life like public transportation is great and health insurance is great and all that thing all those things but uh but man you know like uh, sometimes cultural differences man i mean i'm still i'm still dealing with some of that stuff sometimes it makes me it drives me crazy yeah <laughs> and i mean it's 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 no fault to the to the other parties it's just the difference of of cultures and sure uh yeah so it's definitely like uh something like there's a lot of things i mean i'd say most everything goes very very well and i i really dig it and uh it's definitely a significant you know upgrade in many ways and uh but other ways you know i deal with things i don't i didn't deal with before and Mm -hmm. uh different sorts of situations and 
cultural anomalies, <laughs> if you will. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, but that's that's cool because that means that we have to learn from it, right? And that means that we grow. And uh, you know, if we're always in the confines of our own thinking, then uh, then you know we don't really grow that much. But if we you know if we encounter something that makes us uncomfortable, then uh, we have to learn from it, and therefore you know we benefit. That, I mean, that's how I I take it. Anyways. Sure, sure. I mean, if you're not you know if you're not growing, what are you doing? You know, you're exactly standing still. So, um, so I'm guessing, so your wife is from, is from Korea. Yeah. She's, she lived in the United States for like 10 years and then, okay. uh, and then I, uh, and, and yeah, so she's and, Korean. And the reason why I asked was because of the, the, uh, you know, you need a translator. <laughs> so if, if she speaks, if she doesn't speak English and you're over there, I'm just wondering how that whole dynamic would work, but. Oh, sure. No, actually her English is, I would say as good as mine yeah <laughs> uh i mean as good as a native speaker sure my sure. english isn't that great anymore <laughs> Man, mine, mine either so <laughs> so uh i mean especially living here it's like my wife was like hey what oh man what's the english word for this and i was like man i forgot <laughs> <laughs> but uh but it's it's it's, it's cool because i i mean i remember moving here and uh and you know i would have to i mean I would have to like ask my wife. I'm like, oh, hey, can you type this for me? Because I don't, you know, I just didn't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I had to depend on her for so many things. But, uh, but eventually, you know, I, I learned how to read and I learned how to do things. So I can kind of operate most things. But if it gets complicated, like paperwork or, you know, like a different kind of situation, you know, that's when I ask her for help. But, sure, sure. I'm always fascinated by people who move to another country who don't speak the language. Like if I moved, to, I speak Italian, so if I moved to Italy, it wouldn't be a big deal for me. Sure, uh, sure. But like moving to France, I don't speak French. So I'm just, I, I'm that always fascinates me because I think it's, it's already scary moving to another country and there's one more, you know, sort of barrier without knowing knowing the language. Well, and and Asia is a complete. Yeah. It's like a different yeah. planet, dude. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, one hundred percent. So yeah. let's uh, let's backtrack. Uh, let's, sure. Let's of go. Uh, let's go west. Let's go to Oklahoma City. That's where you're from, right? Yep. That, that's right. So uh, how did how did you get into this? How did you start playing? Was it like a, did you just fall into it one day? Or I'm well, always, I'm always a, interested to hear yeah. the story. Well, it's funny because uh, I was always interested, and I always you know uh, would see it on TV, and uh, and I mean it just. I mean, I don't know. It just music just sort of resonated with me, and uh, my first drum set—I don't remember. It was like I was like five years old, maybe. And uh, uh, it was really funny because for Christmas one year, I have two older sisters, mm-hmm. and uh, and like so, my parents—they bought, they got them uh, the Kawasaki like toy electronic drum sets, and they got me a, a Kawasaki toy electric guitar. And uh, I was like, man, that guitar is cool, but I got to have them drums, man. <laughs> and so, so you know, not long after Christmas, I bargained with one of my sisters and, uh, you know, and then I got it. And then, you know, of course, soon after that, it was broken because I played it too much. Mm-hmm. And uh, then after that, you know, I was like, well, I don't have a drum set, so I'll just go in my parents' garage and get a bucket. <laughs> and then, I mean, just kind of uh elevated from there but i was pretty lucky because uh my parents just kind of they just let me do it you know mm-hmm. and, uh and 
you know, then eventually I had a practice pad and stuff. And then I took lessons. Uh, and then I got a, you know, I got a drum set. And uh, yeah, I mean, and it was, I mean, it's been, I don't know. I just kind of felt like I was always meant to do it, you know, yeah. because cause it, it wasn't really in my family, you know, and, uh, and yeah. So, I mean, it, it just, it just felt good, you know, like when things are, I didn't really care if I sounded bad. I didn't really care if I sounded good. It just kind of like, I just played because it just felt good. I was going to say as a, as a small boy, I think it feels good to just bang on stuff, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and just like to create a to to create a, a sound and like to to play a groove, you know that like uh, I don't know, it's just it just kind of it just has a thing to it, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, and I mean, I was just I just became so obsessed with it, and uh, I mean, you know, before I went to school, I'd play at. I mean, I didn't really do school band, but I mean during during uh, breaks like uh, lunch breaks, I'd always be on my practice pad. And then after school, I'd go home and ignore my homework and just play drums. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, as much as I could. And, you know, I mean, man, my I don't remember my parents ever once telling me to be quiet, like, which is like, that's incredible. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I mean, my, you know, my parents were the same. And looking back, you know, you're, it's like, man, they could have been a lot they could have been a lot worse, you know, they yeah, could have, yeah. Hey, you get 20 minutes. And I remember like running home. I was like, Hey mom, can, you know, do you mind if I play the drums? And she's like, yeah, I don't care. Go ahead. You know? And yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Well, no, I was just, go ahead. So no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's just, it's just amazing how much you don't realize it at the time, but, but our, you know, our parents play and play such a role in our development of, you know, of, of an instrument, whether it be buying the instrument or whether it be allowing us to practice or, you know, supporting it or, or whatever it is, you don't realize it at the time. And then now looking back, you're like, man, my parents were pretty cool to let me do that for so long. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's pretty funny because, um, I mean, I was such an annoying kid when it came to that. Cause like, uh, my parents or, or my, my mom, like on the weekends or whatever, she would just, we had a little drum shop in Oklahoma city. We had a couple, but one was called just drums. And, uh, that's where I took my first lessons and all that. And, uh, my mom would just drop me off there. Like I'd be there for four or five hours, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I tested like every single symbol. I tested every single drum um, all the drums. I would like ask really dumb questions. <laughs> and I mean, they had, I mean, I'm sure that they, I'm sure they loved your parents. You know, they're like, oh yeah, they're like, oh great, this kid's back. <laughs> <laughs> oh great, it's little Steven. <laughs> and uh, they, and they had, uh, they had, uh, they had a little TV that had all these like VHS of like, you know, all the sample videos that like the drum companies send the drum shops to have them, uh, you know, play for promotion. I mean, yeah. God, I watched every single one of those, man, and I just. I mean, I was just like, oh, man, these drums sound cool because of this. Or, oh, man, this guy, you know, like, you know, did this. But you know what? My parents, like, they never really, they never said, come on, you're being ridiculous. Like, they never said that. They just kind of just let me go with it. And, uh, I mean, my dad even, he took me to, he took me to New York when I was in high school. And, you know, and he took me to Modern Drummer Festival a couple times. And, 
Nice. I mean, and we went to drum clinics. I mean, we did the whole thing, man. And, uh, <laughs> and they're like, all right, really... this kid's going to be a drummer. All right. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, you know, again, like, I mean, you know, for anybody that's out there or like parents that are out there, if you're checking this out, which I don't know if there are, but <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, having an interest in anything, you know, just, you know, let your kids go for it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> was there sort of a, a point in your life when you realized that this was what you wanted, that you were like, that's it, this is, I'm going to do this? Or were you like, ah, I'll kind of feel it out and, and see where this leads? There was never a question. Really? Like, there was, it was, yeah. I mean, like, I knew that it was, um, I mean, well, maybe I didn't know, but I mean, since I was, you know, like 11 or 12 years old, I mean, I was like, well, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I yeah. mean, and like, I never really, I mean, you know, of course, many things in life are, you know, really great. And I don't want to be closed minded. But, um, but I mean, yeah, playing the drums is like, it's always just been a thing where I'm like, this is who I am. So I can't ever really stop doing this. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. So how did that change your, how did that change your course where the decisions that you made forward, what, you know, what was going to be the best for your career? And I know you moved to, you moved to Texas. Was that for, for, uh, North Texas or was that? Yeah. Ex yeah. yeah. It was for North Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went to, uh, North Texas and, uh, which was, I mean, for me from being from Oklahoma city, I mean, there are definitely talented people in Oklahoma city, but to move to North Texas where there's like. 10 times as many in a smaller area mm -hmm. and people and people that are as obsessed with music as you are, if not more so. Right. I mean, that was, that was daunting. Study, study with Ed Sof, right? Yeah. And study yeah. with Ed Sof. Yeah. And the master. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, I went to one of the, uh, drum set. They used to have, I don't know if they have had them anymore, but they had drum set camp and I went to one, uh, early on in high school and, uh, and then since then, I was like, man, I got to go to North Texas. So it's so amazing to me that there's that that exists. Like, you know, I I mean, it's Ed, really. But but the fact that everyone's like, all right, I'm going to go to this, you know, I'm going to go to North Texas and I'm going to study with that. So I think that's the only school, the only college band that's ever won a Grammy Award, you know, like. Uh, it's it's amazing the players who have come out of there and i don't i mean i don't know of any other school you know outside of berkeley you know or musicians institute that like have have made a career like that i mean you know that many people sure sure yeah i mean it's it's a really amazing school i mean and uh you know that's i mean me and the i mean I mean, all my peers that I, I went to school with, like naturally, like I feel like a lot of people when they go to a certain college and they have people who are music majors, like when they graduate, they just like go off and do other things. But man, I, I think that dang near everybody that I went to school with, uh, man, they're all still doing it. Yeah. Like, you know, and like in amazing fashion, you know, and oh God, it was just so fun because, you know, like, uh, I mean, I went to school. I mean, I was in, I played in Snarky Puppy for like five years mm -hmm. and, uh, and like we all went to school together and, uh, and we would, we all stayed in this dormitory called Bruce Hall, which is like the musician's dormitory. And, uh, I mean, it was really amazing. I mean, they had practice rooms in the basement. They had a little performance hall on the first floor and, 
man, we would just we would go into the performance hall, and I mean, we had set up a couple of drum sets. You know, all these musicians came through, a few bassists, you know, mm-hmm. guitarists, and man, we would just, we would just play until like four in the morning, and then uh, and then get like three hours of sleep, and we all show up to class in our pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, that's that's what you do, you know. You just—I uh, mean, it just—it just felt good to be in that sort of environment and just play all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how? So you went to school with uh, with Michael, with Michael Lee? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. are you guys? You guys are the same age? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think he might be a year or so younger than me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't sure how that how that whole connection happened, uh, but I was going to ask about sort of that whole thing like the the snarky puppy thing and there's so there's all these other people in that area like you know robert's there. he robert didn't go to uh north texas did he spot oh, see right yeah uh no he d- no he didn't no i didn't think I, so i think yeah he went to the same college as jt uh what college was that i forgot but uh, yeah, they. I think they were at school together. So, I mean, what was the what was the vibe in the area? Was there, I mean, was there a lot of sort of friendly competition and pushing each other to to go? I mean, you guys are all in. You guys are on the same scene, right? You guys all cut your teeth together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think you can find whatever you wanted to find. Like you had musicians that were, you know really positive and and always wanted to uh always were supportive and uh willing to take chances and 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 cool with you taking chances like you know musically and uh and you know push each other but i mean but you know then you had some people that were dark and kind of snobby and you know things had to be a certain way i mean i mean it was just a colorful dynamic and right. uh but then you you know uh i mean i've and also, man, I mean, that environment, I've seen so many people that go there and like, they don't really, I mean, I mean, they can play a little bit, but they're, they're not really like ready yet. And within like a year at North Texas, like they're ready. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, I, I've seen it many times. It's, it's a, uh, it's pretty astounding. It's so what is it? Is it the, uh, the intensity of what's going on there? Well, you know what, like at, thinking about it, you know, cause I'm a college professor at, at uh, a couple of universities here in Seoul. So I always try to think about my time at school. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's a culmination of many things. I think one, it's the environment, the fact that you're surrounded by it all the time. Like, uh, you know, people are talking about it all the time. You can see great music all the time. Um, and then of course you have to practice all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think it's just because it's your life and because that environment has such a high level and so many people doing it that, uh, that it just kind of becomes, even though you don't understand maybe everything that people are talking about, it's planted a seed in your mind. And right. And then you practice and, you know, and, and, and play with people and, you know, uh, nurture that. And then, you know, then that seed grows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I asked that question, I, I, I went to school for music and I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, I, I, let me rephrase. I learned a lot, but I don't think that most of my, I think most of my knowledge came out outside of school after school. And like, I was sure. really, I was like heavily gigging. Uh, and I was like, I don't even think I was really ready until I was like 26 or 27. You know, I didn't start playing 
until I was 15, almost 16 years old. But um, I learned a lot in college, learned how to read, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, but like real world experience of how to actually play was, I mean, you know, all that for me happened out farther out. So that's why I was asking, like, well, how was that environment uh, different than a lot of other places? Sure, sure. And I th- I think uh, I think North Texas, I think the, the specialty, one of the specialties is uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it's really strongly rooted, I mean, of course, it's a jazz school. I mean, you know, it's there's not really you're not going to learn about producing or playing pop music or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's a jazz school. But within that, uh, you you get really uh, a solid, strong foundation, you know, like uh, as a drummer. I mean, you know. <clears throat> being able to play different styles and then being able to make a good sound on the drums, which, you know, uh, I found that a lot of people that spend a lot of money on X music school and I'm, and I hear them or they take a lesson. I'm like, man, this guy doesn't even know how to make a sound. Like it's, <laughs> you know, uh, and then, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and then for horn players, it's like being really, you know, solid in, in harmony and, and, uh, and, and melody and soloing and arranging. I mean, just all those things put together. I mean, it's not just kind of like, well, you can just do whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a very structured in, environment. And sure. uh, I would say it's like, I would say like your formative years are kind of like where you get the nuts and bolts together, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what school is. You know, school is a, school is a resource, you know? Right. And, uh, uh, that's where you get all the, the tools and, and, and all the pieces you need to put together what you want to put together. Right. So, which, uh, I kind of, you know, for me as, as a, you know, as an educator, uh, I feel like it's important to, you know, give students that, but also, I mean, to, to try to give it context as, as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, yeah, cause I, I mean, for, uh, yeah, North Texas was really great for all those things. Like you can like practice all day and whatever, and then you can just call up a, a few guys. I mean, you might not even know these guys You're like, Oh yeah, I heard that you play bass. Can you play a session later? And, uh, and you can do it. So that's, anyways, it's just, that's awesome. it's, it's just good. Yeah. So it's just good for foundational and application purposes. And as you're saying this, I'm thinking, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of academics in music school and yes. not a ton of practical application. Yes. And I think people, a lot of people are getting out of, and it could be anything. It could be a state school that they went to school for music. It doesn't have to be like a Berkeley or an MI. Like it could be anything mm. you come out of, you know, come out of that school. Uh, and you're like, okay, now, now what, you know, like I can play in an ensemble or I can like, you know, read these charts, but you know, I've never done a session. I've never, played in a band really you know i never did these other things but i feel like that's not the case there which is you know maybe have roundaboutly answered the question of why it's such a an amazing school you know exactly exactly yeah Yeah, that's exactly right what was your what was your plan coming out of college i think that a lot of people come out and they say okay i want to do this i'm going to pursue this i don't know what to do now uh well actually you know um i wanted to move to new york that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
you know, but I mean, I went to New York a lot. Like I would, you know, visit and, or like sometimes I'd have gigs there or whatever. And I went a lot and, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to move to New York. But then I realized, man, I hate New York. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I love the, the forward momentum and the art scene and music. And I mean, I love all that stuff, but the city itself and the, uh, in, environment uh you know like that's that's <laughs> leaves uh kind of left kind of a bad taste in in my mouth and yeah. what uh, you what did you uh what you hate about it well i mean just i mean you know i stay with a friend of mine and like uh he's like he's like oh man you gotta stay somewhere sorry my dog's barking that's all right uh 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 he was uh you know he he's like oh man i'm sorry you gotta stay somewhere else i got bed bugs <laughs> and then the, and then another friend I stayed with, you know, he woke up at four in the morning to, uh, to, cause he had to move his car. Oh yeah. And yeah. 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 So, uh, that's, that's real. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's real. And I mean, and again, I mean, I'm not saying it's not worth it. I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's a bad thing or, or any of my, I mean, I have many, many friends that live there that love it and totally cool. But, you know, I was just like, you know. I really liked what was going on then because by the time I was finishing school, that's, you know, like that's kind of the time I was starting to play with Snarky Puppy and, you know, and, and do tours and, and stuff like that. And so, you know, we would go do these tours and then I would just make Dallas, you know, or, you know, kind of a suburb of Dallas, my home base. And, um, and I, you know, I was playing a lot of gigs and playing a lot of great people. And I was like, man, I kind of love it here. <laughs> Plus, if you're if you're on the road a lot, you're going, you know, you're sort of out of, you know, you're out of town a lot anyway. So it's kind of like, oh, you're why not be in this place? It's comfortable, and you already know it. You already have a connection there, and you know you can tour from anywhere. So you got to go to New York. You got to start all over again. You right. Know, it's it's right. hard. It's hard. You know, I just moved. It's hard, man. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, yeah. So I just kind of, I think, I think I was just kind of riding the wave a little bit, like. Right. I mean, in, a, in addition to, you know, Snarky Puppy, I had like a bunch of other projects that I was playing with and, uh, you know, and then I was just, you know, working drummer and I mean, just kind of had my place in the scene, you know, and it was, it was, com- it was comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then, but then, you know, when I was getting, when I was comfortable and just kind of doing the same thing, that's kind of when I was feeling like, man, I need to do something else. Cause yeah. this is being comfortable is like not really a good thing in, in some ways, you know, cause it just, I mean, I didn't want to be stagnant. You know? Right. So that's when, uh, everything with moving to South Korea came about and I'm like, there's, there couldn't be more of an opposite decision that I can make than move there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such a hard thing because I'm the same way where I, if I'm doing something for a long time, I, I sort of get stir crazy and I'm like, okay, I got to do something else. Like, I mean, this podcast I've done, you know, 300 and whatever, 15 or 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been doing it for four years now. I love it. I I love doing it, you know, but I'm getting a little stir crazy where I'm like, I got to do something else too. You know, sure. I, I'm cautious when I say that because the listeners are like, oh, you're going to stop doing it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I don't want to stop doing this. I just need to start doing something else too, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Got to gotta switch. It, I got to switch it up a little bit because I get I get stir crazy. I think that's human nature that if we're not progressing, you know, if we're not moving forward and and things are constantly constantly moving, we get a little uh, you know we get a little 
you get in a rut and you got to make some changes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel the same. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, when moving, once you moved, uh, like, I mean, what was that transition like of like trying to get gigs? Well, like you, you said, you had already been sort of working there anyway, right? Yeah. But uh, actually, uh, I spent, you know, I'm kind of. Uh, not in everything, but in certain and important elements of my life, I'm really neurotic. So I was like, well, if I'm going to move to Seoul, I need to have everything prepared by this. I want to be set from day one, if possible. (laughs) I mean, you know, I was, uh, I was dreaming, I guess, but, uh, so, you know, I made all my connections and, and whatever. And I mean, uh, then, I had, uh, and then my friend, you know, uh, was like, Hey, Steve, you want to be faculty at our school at our university? And I was like, yeah, great. So I had all that stuff. So as soon as I got off the plane, I would, I immediately had gigs and I immediately had a teaching gig. And I was like, kind of, yeah, I kind of feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of set up from day one. This is great. Right. Well, well, of course, like life does, it pulls the rug out from under you, um, uh, I had visa issues because uh, the uh, well, without boring the listeners, uh, you know the the embassy in Houston like totally screwed up my stuff. So I actually couldn't because of my visa status uh, wasn't you know as uh, wasn't the appropriate visa or I I mean actually they didn't give me any visa. Uh, so you said, couldn't oh, work and I I couldn't work. Uh. <laughs> I, I had all this stuff planned. I just couldn't do it. So I had to wait like nine months. Oh, my God. Yeah. I thought you were going like, to say like nine weeks. Oh, no, no, no. Because, well, uh, well, I should say I should clarify to say that, you know, uh, nine months to teach at the university you know, until you. like until the beginning of the new year, not just the term. Right, uh, right. You know, I mean, I got it resolved within a, a few months so I can start like playing gigs and stuff. But. Uh, that definitely, uh, was a setback. (laughs) Man, uh, that's brutal. Yeah, but you know what, man? I think everybody has their trial and I mean, uh, it kind of taught me patience. It taught me appreciation. It taught me, I mean, I definitely learned a lot through that as well. And, uh, and you know, during that time I practiced a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, you got you got to make the best of 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 what you have. Yeah, that's smart that you that you learned from it too, or or at least got something out of it. You can do. I feel like there's two things you can do in adversity. You can either sort of shrivel up in the corner and cry, or you can you know make the best of it and say, okay, what can I learn from this? How could I've done something better? You know, what's what uh you know, or it could be worse, and you could you could change the perspective on it, or you know, or whatever. So kudos for at least learning learning some things from it and taking the time to practice. Well, thanks, man. Well, tr- I mean, I was here. I didn't really, you know, I kind of gave up everything I had, you know, in the uh, in Texas, so I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's, uh, <clears throat> those are just some survival skills. And you know what? Like, there's, there's people that deal with far worse than that. And yeah. the fact that, and, you know, the thing that I relish in, like, every single day is, like, man, I get to play drums as my job. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, there's there's difficult things, but, man, this is, like, incredible, you know? <laughs> it's not and that bad. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a club. doesn't matter if it's, like, a, 
you know, banquet. It doesn't matter if it's a concert and, you know, like, like playing original music in front of tons of people. I mean, it's all just such a huge blessing, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I def, I mean, every time I go into my studio and I just start working, I start, you know, doing all that stuff. I'm just like, I, every single time I'm like, God, this is so awesome. (laughs) There's, you know, there's, uh, Every Monday, the guys come and grab the trash, you know, on the street. And I think to myself, like, hey, that's a that's an honorable gig, you know, like, yes, yes, like, hey, someone someone's got to do it. And it's I mean, there's I'm sure there's worse jobs than that. And they make good money. But I was like, I'm so glad I don't have to do that. Like, yeah, I, I feel fortunate that I that I'm like, I can, you know, I get I get paid to play drums and talk to drummers. That's not a that's not a bad gig. So anytime I complain, I'm like, man, these guys are outside, like busting their butts. It's 110 degrees, and they're like, yeah, they're they're working, you know. I'm like, yeah. I'm just, man, I'm just sitting, I'm sitting on my computer and talking to people about drums. Sure, know? life ain't that bad, right? And but I will say this, I will say this. I I feel like I have to mention this is that for everybody that's listening, and you know, maybe you're coming up as a drummer and you're wanting to know, like, you know, being a professional. Uh, I mean, you gotta work at this. You gotta. I mean, I mean, yes, it is. It is great, but not everything you do is gonna be fun. I mean, I'm sure it's the same with with you and 100%. playing and do, and doing the podcast and and all those things. I mean, there's formalities that you have to go through that um, that aren't fun. There's things that you have to practice. That's kind of like, man, I just wanna, I just wanna rip on the drums, but I gotta practice this instead, you know. Mm-hmm. But or you just gotta you gotta spend tons of time on it, and you gotta study it, and you gotta listen, and you gotta like really, really like. I mean, well, I I think about it this way: if um, there's there's many people, most people, they work a job, and you know they might kind of feel halfway about it. They might, or they they might hate their job, but they do it forty hours a week, you know, mm-hmm. at least sometimes right. more, right? <clears throat> Well, that's for people that like maybe, you know, they tolerate their job or they hate their job. But uh, but for musicians or for people that, well, it doesn't really matter the field. If you love your job, then there shouldn't really be a time limit. It's just you just do it until you can't. Right. And uh, I mean, everyone's different, of course, but Mm -hmm. I just do it until I can't, you know? Yeah. Um. So I remember hearing, I think it was Chase Jarvis, who I don't know if you know Chase or not. He's like a world-class photographer and owns Creative Live. Um, But he, you know, he was talking about, okay, I love what I do for a living, right? I love it. I would never want to do anything other than what I do for a living. And every single day I deal with a pile of stuff that I do not feel like doing. Right. And I have to do it. So whether it be emails, whether it be phone calls, whether it be practicing, whether it be this or that, like, you know, we, the last thing I want to do sometimes is like, I don't feel like recording the intro of the podcast when I've already done 15 of them and it's midnight, you know? Exactly. And it's like, yes. it all, the, the, the big picture is loving what you do, but I don't care what job you do. There are going to be elements of it that you don't feel like doing. So you know, to the to the listeners out there who want to do this, don't think that it's always going. If it's not always milk and honey, then you're doing something wrong because there's going to be just things that suck, flat out suck as part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like you got to do a million things for five things to work out. Yeah, well, yeah, that's. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. But the thing is, is that like you have to you have to just 
you have to have love it. You know, you absolutely have to love it. Like, for example, I um, I do know some people that I mean, I think they like music. I don't know if they love it, uh, but they have a really hard time. And I mean, I totally get it, man. You know what? The music field, the music business is like music business is like the worst business ever. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it. And but, you know, but the payoff from music, if you put the work into it and you love to do it is, man, it's it's such a uh, it's such a rush when everything you know works out. And I mean, I'm not even really talking about the money part. I'm just talking about playing, mm-hmm. you know. But if you can figure out a way to like work and to make money at it, which is definitely not the easiest thing at, at all, uh, and you can you know make what you love your job, then uh, I mean that's that's just I think that's that's the that's what success is. I think that's the direct meaning of what success is in a career Mm. doing what you love as your job support from this podcast comes from my friends at dw drums they support this podcast and many drumming initiatives all over the world so they make great drums but they also support the craft which i love and they are a family there at DW there in Oxnard, California. You can learn more about DW, their great products, their long celebrated history by going to dwdrums.com. Hey, what are you going to do with all those cracked, broken cymbals that you have sitting in the corner of your studio? Here's an idea. Trade them in for a new dream cymbal or gong. Now you can take all your cymbals, bring them in, and for each inch of cymbal that you bring in, you're going to get a dollar off towards your next dream cymbal or gong. Bring in two ride cymbals that are 20 inches each, you get $40 off your next dream cymbal or gong. And that's going to go a long way because they're priced well below everyone else's prices. But the main thing is they sound great. And I want to let you hear them. So here is a sample of some dream cymbals. Be sure to check out Dream and all their great products at dreamsymbols.com. Now let's get back into it with Steve Pruitt. So why do you think that the the music business is the worst? Because of... Well, just because uh, there's like... You know, with with a normal job or or normal business, there's uh, there's you know, if you work a certain amount of hours, you get a certain amount of pay. Right. Or if you do a get or if you do a you know, and you know the pay, you know everything, you get your benefits, you do all that. But in the music business, it's like you could play some small like gig and and I mean small private gig and get like you know, let's say five hundred bucks or something. And then you can go play your original music and play a longer gig and it's more, you know, whatever. And it's like, you know, $50 gig or something. Right. There's just no, there's just no continuity to it. And there's no sure. real rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. And, and it also depends on how much your phone rings if you're just playing. Yeah. And so it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, in, uh, and negotiating with clubs or, record labels or you know all that stuff it's so unorthodox it is there's no there's no rule book 
Right, exactly. There's no rule book. It doesn't operate by a set of rules. You just kind of have to float with it. Mm -hmm. You just have to, you just have to say, okay. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, and not only that, like talent doesn't not, whoa, I almost said talent doesn't matter, but talent, uh, isn't the only factor. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's, uh, it's like, I mean, it's really how well you connect with people. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's really just, there, there's no, there's no constant, mm-hmm. you know? And that part uh, of it is disheartening because if I was, if I was the greatest shortstop of all time, right, I could right. get a gig playing in, in Major League Baseball. Exactly. I, I, I would go and I could audition for, even if, or I could try out for every single team, you know, even if I didn't get scouted, even if no one even, never even knew who I was, I could walk on. If I was good enough, I would get a spot. It doesn't like, it right. doesn't work like that. I can go to 8,000 auditions. I can be the greatest drummer in the world. And they're like, mm, I don't really like them. Exactly. I don't get the I mean, I mean, that that's also the beauty and that's also the curse, you know, because the yep. beauty is, is that everybody has their own identity. Uh, as a as a musician i mean i guess it's it's similar well to be honest with you i think it's a much harder <laughs> career to be a comedian <laughs> yeah than, I, you know, that's hard because you yeah that's oh man i mean i've never personally done it i'm not that funny but <laughs> uh but from the from what i've read and from people that i know that do it i mean golly uh, uh i i think that's really tough but yeah. anyways but they do it because they love it and they mm-hmm. do it you know it doesn't really matter if you tell the most genius, like multi-layered joke ever. If some, if the people don't like you, they just don't like That's you. That's it. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing with with music, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I see, I see videos all the time of of people just, you know, playing in their house or whatever. And I'm like, God, man, these people sound incredible. Yeah. But, but you know, there's no guarantee of work. Mm-hmm. And that, <laughs> you know, know, I mean, that's another thing with with sports, like. Sports aren't debatable. They're stats, and you can say, "Here's here's right. my statistics." You know, there's no statistics for for drumming. It doesn't. It doesn't. That stuff doesn't play. It's all people's. It's opinion, really. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it comes down to opinion. Would you say? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's it's. I mean, yeah. It's it's whoever's hiring you. It's like what they want. Mm-hmm. Um. So, and also, you got to deal with situations where you know, like. If you are a name musician and wherever you are and you get hired just because people say, oh, you're a this person's a good drummer. So let's hire him for the gig. I mean, even though you're prepared and even though you've done your homework, even though you've played a lot and have a lot of experience, I mean, they still might not like you. Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I mean, I've definitely had that happen and uh, it is not fun. So, no. uh, And and, you know, and then being a band leader. I think it's really important to you got to hire the people that you've actually listened to that, you know, their sound works. They don't need to be like the biggest virtuoso. They just got to be the person that you feel is going to be the the best for your music. So you don't have to say much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I understand both sides. Yeah. And um, so, um, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think the 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 key to success with with music, I mean, I say key. There's no. It's not definite, but I sure. think the the uh, a good path to go on is embracing your identity and I mean absolutely falling in love with with music itself, 
and then relentlessly working at it like 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 without question Mm -hmm. just do it and do it and do it and then if you do those elements i mean something will work out on what scale who knows i've seen but i mean but if you're able to like make money and and support yourself and if you have a family support your family if you're able to do those things and do what you love then that to me is success if that's not, I don't, I don't know what is. One point that I will, uh, that I wanted to touch on that you that we you brought up is the idea of you know not everyone's going to like you and and you know you're not going to get every gig and you're not you know you're going to get fired and and all those things and you and you can't take it personally. You just got to keep rolling because everyone's gotten fired. Everyone's not gotten the gig. Everyone is right. You know is is uh has not been liked and and you know didn't get picked to be on the team. So. Sure. You know, that's that's part of it. That's part of the journey. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I used to I used to get really upset about those things, you know, but then, you know, but then at a certain point, you know, I just kind of came to this conclusion where if someone like if if a band leader's vision like does not include me, but includes someone else. And that that person interprets the music the way the band leader hears it. I would rather listen to someone else play the gig, and it sounds exactly how the band leader envisions, mm-hmm. than to selfishly impose myself onto a gig because I think I deserve it or have some side of some sort of entitlement. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's bad for business, but that's no, just I don't think you know. So. <laughs> I think what goes around comes around, man. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, things just work out and things don't work out. So it's best to like, I mean, musicians, like we can all just help each other and support each other. And, uh, you know, when things are great, we can be happy for each other. And when things are not, you know, we can be supportive and help if we can and, you know, whatever. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess that's that's not just musicians. That's everybody. Yeah. And uh, and I guess, I mean, there's there's one thing that's kind of infamous that I saw floating around was that. Jim Carrey commencement speech, um, where he said that even like, like, uh, he's, he was talking about his father chose, like, I guess his father was kind of a comedian as well. Uh, but he chose to be, you know, work at a bank and be a banker because he, you know, he was like, well, this is safer because I need to support my family. I need something more stable. Well, just because something's more like, like seemingly safe doesn't mean it's stable. Right. So it's better to like try and fail at something that you love than it is to like do something because it's safe. And then that fails too. Because I mean, I guess the point is, is that anything can fail. Anything can happen. Sure. Anything can happen. So you might as well just do what you love to do because you just never know what, know, know what happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, speaking of things that you love to do, I know that you, you do a lot of clinics, um, and I'm, yeah. inter- I'm interested to hear about your, not only your clinic philosophy, but your, but your teaching philosophy as a whole. Sure. Well, uh, my teaching philosophy revolves around improvisation, uh, in general, like, because, uh, I found that I have a lot of students that they, you know, they do this method of copying and pasting, mm-hmm. you know, like they learn a lick and then they go to a gig. It doesn't matter what musician's playing what. It doesn't matter what's going on on stage. They just play the same thing. Mm. And, I've never uh, heard it. I've never heard it said like that. But I, I understand that. Just I get it. Yeah. 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 So like you know, like they practice. You know, like some 
you know, groove A from certain book. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm at this gig. Uh, it's like the similar tempo. I'm just going to plug that in, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what, and, you mean you're uh, not supposed to do that? <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. I mean, I mean uh, well, I guess my whole thing is, you know, like creativity. I, I don't know. I guess it's sort of like don't give – don't give someone a fish, teach them how to fish, sort of, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, um, so with anything, I don't really use books. Um, I just kind of like take basic fundamental knowledge and, uh, I try to teach how to explore with that knowledge, regardless if it, if it's a rudiment, if it's a style of music, uh, you know, uh, certain vocabulary aspects. I mean, I'm not saying I don't study that stuff and haven't studied out of books, but um, but I mean, you know, I like snare drum books. I like, uh, you know, Omni book, Charlie Parker, or I just got this, uh, Philly Joe Jones solo book. And that thing is incredible. Mm. Um, like transcribed solo book. R- exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cause it saves me a lot of time, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this guy that did it, uh, I think is for all you listeners out there is a Philly Joe Jones solo book. I highly recommend it. It's written by a German guy named Jorg Eckel. And um, J-O-E-R-G is his first name, and Eckel is E-C-K-E-L. Anyway, um, hope you don't mind the plug there. No, um, not at all. I'm, I and, was just uh, writing it down so I could put it in the show notes. Yeah, cool. And, uh, I mean, you know, what I teach is, you know, for example, if someone comes in and, you know, they learn a Philly Joe Jones solo, that's really great. Now let's take some of these ideas and, I mean, put them you know, like, let's do them differently. Let's take one Philly Jones, Joe Jones idea and, you know, make a four bar solo out of that or, you know, but do it your own way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, or, you know, let's take, I mean, I don't know, let's take a, a inverted paradiddle and make a groove out of it, but, you know, don't make it sound like a pattern, make it sound like something that's usable. Mm-hmm. And, and then of course we listen, I mean, of course, actually in my studio, I have, uh, you know, I have my own recording rig. So every student does a recording session. Like I kind of play their producer. Cool. Yeah. So like, uh, so they, you know, so that, cause I, like you said before, I mean, a lot of people just don't have that experience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And, and even though like, I mean, I still in, encounter it. Like I have guys come in that they, they have really amazing technique and facility and they've, uh, copied, you know, like Eric Moore and Aaron Spears. And they, I mean, they know a lot of that stuff and I love those guys too, of course, but right. I mean, uh, but then they come in to do a recording session. I give them a track and then, you know, it just stumps you because yeah. <laughs> even the most simple thing feels like you're like, is this right? Is this in place? You know? And, uh, so it's a really, you know, that's when I start introducing elements of, you know, uh, what to play you know, and then how you play it and, you know, just, I don't know, just conceptual things like that. And, uh, yeah, I've always been a, I've always loved studying conceptual stuff versus, Mm-mm. I mean, yeah, you need the technical, of course, 100%. I'm not saying that you don't. Um, but, but then I actually had the conversation today about, okay, how do I, I learn all this stuff and now how do I get it into my playing? Because I don't want to copy and paste. Sure. You know, so I don't want to, oh, I got this lick when we're playing this groove. It's at 110. I, I can probably sneak it in there, you know, and it's like I always equate it to if you and I are having a conversation about, you know, drumming and I'm just like, yeah, of course, man. I love shoes. I love them. They're cool. They're awesome. 
And exactly, you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Exactly, exactly. But but you know what? Like, but also, I mean, I don't want to be like I want to be open minded to anything. You know, I mean, yeah. I guess like if you listen to if you listen to someone like uh, Steve Gadd, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Steve Gadd has a thing, and he has his vocabulary. You know, like unapologetically. And I mean, and I'm just using him as an example, but he can use that in so many different ways. What he makes are emotional decisions. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, you might hear this, you might hear like some of his same, you know, like same licks, you know, but because of the musician that he is, he's able to always do something spontaneous and new with it every time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's the beauty of it. And that's, that's what I think is, is really amazing. So it's a more, it's more about, you know, being able to hear something and being able to, uh, you know, use it as a language, I guess, so to speak. So improvisation and kind of language are kind of what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, I mean, it goes without saying like groove and, and placement and, and whatever. And you mentioned Ed Sof earlier. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned from Ed is about sound, uh, like How balancing. So? Well, like how you're balanced on the kit, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, I guess the way I think about it, about it now is depending on the gig that you're doing you got to have a graphic equalizer for yourself you know like in jazz it's more high end heavy you know it's more about the 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 rise cymbal and the hi-hat and uh the bass drum is you know uh a bit softer and and the snare drum is a bit you know under that or uh, maybe maybe a bit above that again that's just a starting place but then if you play like a you know in a funk band then it's more low ends, you know. And I mean, I don't know. You just kind of you got to graphic equalize yourself, and mm-hmm. you got to be aware of these things as as opposed to playing the same sound for every style of music, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. anyway, that's that's yeah. that's that's, that's kind of what I think about it. I 100% agree about the. I, I mean, I agree with everything you said about, and especially about open mindedness, because there are times when you're playing and you may want to say, you know, in the middle of someone saying something to you, it's like, oh, dude, oh, I forgot to tell you. You know, like, exactly. hey, let me, I gotta, I gotta tell, and like, or maybe the way that I interview people and I cut everyone off and, and you know, <laughs> ramble on. Well, a, a, a clock that, you know, a clock that doesn't work is right twice a day. There you go. <laughs> Am I the broken clock? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, 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 no. no I'm, I'm saying kidding. like. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, but how, how do you suggest people practice that it's easy to talk about right it's easy to say mm-hmm. oh man you got to listen you got to like you got to play musically you got to you got to put the you got to you got to phrase uh melodically you have to do all these things okay that's great how can i how can i actually practice that whether it be in the practice room with other people whatever so i can get to that that place that sort of intangible you know uh whatever we want to call that area of mm. of enlightenment or whatever you know Sure. Well, um, well, I think one thing that's really important is vocalization. Like, I mean, as the cliche goes, it's really true. If you can sing it, you can, I mean, if, if it's, if it's singable, it's worth playing. Right. I guess is my point. So I think listeners may be struggling in this area. I would highly recommend, you know, listening to your favorite album and you don't have to be a great beatboxer. You don't have to be a great singer or anything. Just do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, get it in in your in your mind so you can like internalize those sounds and that feel. Because uh, you know what, 
every single time when I hear a student come in and if uh, if they play like kind of a, a, a groove, but it's kind of not really in there and they play a fill and they're not really sure about it. I'm like, OK, sing me something like you just played. It sounds like exactly like they just played it. Mm-hmm. So so it's like a mental thing. Like sure. you, you can't really you can't really train your hands to do something really quick and then just expect the music to happen because that's not where the music comes from. Yeah. You know, music doesn't come from the, the limbs. The music comes from, you know, like you hear it, you think it, you feel it, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. So so I would say put on your favorite album. Doesn't matter the style. And, uh, you know, just sing like sing along to it. Like it could be a groove or it could be, you know, like, I mean, s- sing your solos, you know, or mm-hmm. sing, you know. Like, and if that's if that feels good, obvious, then it's likely that if you sit behind the drum, it's going to sound good too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I always thought that was difficult and it sounds a lot easier than it is is to uh, to repeat what you're playing. So you play oh, a yes, figure and then say, okay, you know, play it again. It's like, oh well. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have played eighty-seven notes because I forget. <laughs> well, well, it's 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 good that you mentioned that because uh, this is the element of that I don't I don't really go with as far as copying and pasting is especially with jazz. You know, like uh, if I'm playing jazz and I'm playing with a um, a soloist, I mean, you really got to pay attention to what they're playing because mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen. Or you know what I find myself. Uh, you know, a lot like taking an idea I hear on the bandstand and I use it, you know, and I try to like make it into my own thing. So therefore you've, you've, uh, you've acknowledged that, that, you know, an idea that's on the bandstand and, and, you know, whatever. And then maybe subconsciously, maybe consciously, I don't know. Then you just put it into your own playing. Uh, and then therefore you've created a moment. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's not the only way to do it, obviously, but that's one of the that's one of the things that that comes from uh, listening adamantly and uh, and you know being an improviser and right. not just copying and pasting. Because if you're just copying and pasting, it doesn't matter what the soloist is playing; you're not going to you know really get anything from it, anyways. Right. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Do you see any common themes with? with people at your clinics or, or people that you teach in school and, and sort of mistakes that, that, that the most common mistakes? Um, well, I would say my philosophy is if you have something that works for you, I'm not going to try to reinvent what that person is doing. I just want to add knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but I think, I think, um, I really think the whole musical thing is, like people see drummers like just totally shred on the drums and play fast up. And I, I mean, I do it sometimes. I mean, in my practice room, I do it a lot at gigs. I don't really do it at all. <laughs> right. You know, uh, uh, but I mean, it feels good and you know, whatever. And it's nice to have that level of, of technique and proficiency. But, uh, I think the key question you have to answer that I think a lot of people have trouble answering is why do you practice? I mean, what's the point? Like, mm-hmm. like, are you practicing because you want to get faster, or you, or are you practicing because you want to be a better musician? Or, and then they'll say, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I want to be a better musician." I'm like, well, how do you do that? You know, I right. think it's just a series of questions that people have to be able to answer themselves. And 
for me personally, um, I want to be, you know, like, I don't want technique to be a, like, I don't want to have to think about it when I play. Like, I want to practice and, and gain all the knowledge and be really crazy about all the music I'm listening to and everything. And just, you know, it's a dot. I mean, well, I, I consider like practicing, like going to the gym, you know, you're kind of right. like working out elements of, of your body. Uh, and then listening to music is your diet, like what you're eating. Mm-hmm. And then those things work, to, those things work together. And then, uh, and then when you play the gig, I mean, when I play a gig, I don't really think about anything. I just like, just try to listen to the music and just play whatever I think or whatever I'm feeling in the moment and whatever I think sounds good. Sure. So, so I think the, I think the thing people get is technique and things because that's something you can understand. Like, okay, like a, a double stroke roll is, you know, R, R, L, L, right, right, left, left. And you played at this height, you got to make the sticks the same height. I mean, it's like, it's a science and you can learn it, but being able to express yourself as uh, as a musician as an artist uh that's not something that's as easy and i think um that only comes from uh you know listening and 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 having true love for it and and most importantly not ever giving up yeah mm-hmm. so yeah just you got to keep moving i like the the idea of you know why are you practicing what's what's the end goal if you're you know if you're practicing to just get faster and and being, you know, be an athlete, then, then do that. That's cool. Uh, but you can't expect to train to be an athlete and then expect to like, you know, be a ballerina dancer. Right. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Does does that make sense? Absolutely. Like you can, you can learn which colors to mix to make a color, but you can't learn how to paint your own vision. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so I guess, for example, for me, like what I'm practicing, what I'm currently focusing on at the moment is, is, uh, is my feet because, uh, uh, you know, like, cause I, you know, I practice my hands like all the time. Like I'm like, try to come up with rudiments, whatever. And I found myself on gigs, like, you know, like everyone talks about speed, like, like with everything, but what people don't really talk about is control, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I mean, from what I hear, I'm sure people talk about it, right. but, um, uh, so, you know, I like my right foot, I can play really fast doubles and I can, you know, I mean, there's people that can play it faster or whatever. That's not really my goal. Uh, but there's certain tempos that, you know, like, like, especially my left foot, like just playing eighth notes on the hi-hat, like, uh, there's certain tempos that it just doesn't really, it's, it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I just don't do it. You know, then the question is, well, why would you want to do that? Well, for me personally, if the music is intense enough and you add those eighth notes on the hi-hat, then it kind of creates another level of intensity that really, you know, ignites the music as well. I mean, that's what I hear. Yeah. And and the fact that I have trouble doing it, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the practice room. I'm going to figure out ways to, to work on that. Right. There, there you go. There's the, pro- there's the, the pro- problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hypothesis and then the solution, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's amazing what happens when you start putting things under a microscope, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to just blow through something or if you're like, Oh yeah, my, you know, the subdivisions on my feet sound fine, you know, I'm getting by and then you slow it down to 50 beats a minute and you're like, Ooh, they sound horrible. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, I mean, and it's, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, before or after a gig, you can be like, be as, analytical and all that 
you know, as possible, like just to the, just to make yourself play the gig better. But during the gig, man, I mean, just play. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, you don't want to be practicing on the, on the gig. Oh no, no way, man. No way. <laughs> I've done it. I made that mistake. Well, I mean, I think, I think all of us have done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to not think, you know, when you're playing, uh, especially as younger, like when I was a younger player, man, I thought about everything. I was like, what fill am I going to do? Am I doing this right? I mean, I thought about everything. Oh yeah, sure. I think, yeah, there's, there's that stage too. And that's, uh, that's what, you know, it's kind of the academic aspect of it. And I think all of us that, you know, I mean, I definitely went through that as well. And, mm -hmm. uh, so, and there's also, there, you know what, there's a, there's a certain aspect of, uh, I mean, yeah, be, being musicians unorthodox because you got to accept who you are and you got to embrace who you are at that moment, but you have to not accept anything that, or n you have to be, uh, not accept things that you really don't like about your playing enough to where you have to get better at them. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's uh, confidence in what you can do and humility with what you can't do uh and it has to be relentless right. <laughs> you know in both aspects mm -hmm. so Without i mean that's that's just my opinion that's just my opinion i'm with you i agree and uh i think it's a good message to end on so that people take that and and run with it and and hopefully you know keep that in mind when they're when they're working on things and when they're in the practice room or they're on the bandstand or they're you know approaching things throughout their music career so sure amazing I was just going to say that um, I'm going to have a website soon and uh, it's going to have lots of lessons on it covering, you know, all sorts of different things. And uh, uh, it's going to be steveprewittdrums.com and uh, it's going to have many, many lessons regarding, you know, it's not just copying and pasting licks. It's just, you know, you'll have some ideas to work with and then maybe hopefully I can also demonstrate how you can make them your own ideas awesome. and 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 not just with licks of course with uh, the most important thing is the groove and uh and you know playing in the pocket beat placement time sound all of those things conceptual you know, I'm gonna, ideas yeah i love conceptual that stuff. yeah i'm gonna get into everything on that site so it's not up yet but it'll be up in the next you know month or so cool and i'm guessing you'll put all your clinic dates up there as well Yes, I yes, recommend absolutely. anyone who is going to be anywhere near where one of your clinics are to definitely go check one of them out. Or, you know, uh, what I do more than a lot more than clinics is play gigs. So if I'm in your area, please come say hello awesome. <laughs> at any gig. Yeah. Good deal. And if you're ever out, if you're out west, if you're in California, let me know. Uh, actually, I might be coming to NAM. Oh, if you're at NAM, definitely let me know. I'll be there. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, enjoy your day because you're, uh, you're, how many day? How many hours? What are you? Twelve hours ahead of me, or something like that? So I think if you're in California, I'm fourteen hours. Wow! So Amazing. what Technology, is it like? Man. Is it? Are you what six fifteen something like that? Six fifteen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at I'm at ten fifteen a.m. Cool. Well, you got your whole day ahead of you. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, thanks again, man. I do appreciate it. It was it was really great chatting with you and get to know you. Thanks for being part of the podcast. Hey, man, my pleasure. Anytime. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Of course. Of course. Anytime. All right. That was the one and only Steve Pruitt. I hope you dug that. I, that was a really great conversation. And I love 
the fact that Steve has this ability to really articulately just break down an idea and really get to the core of it. That's what I really got out of this this episode. I'd love to hear what you got out of this episode. Shoot me a message. Uh, you can email me, nick at drummersresource.com, or I am on all of all of the internets, on all of the socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. All of them are at Drummers Resource, except for Twitter, because Drummers Resource is 16 characters, and you can only have 15 characters on Twitter, so it's Drummers R Source. Yeah, that wasn't a mistake. That's just that's what they gave me. That's all I could do. So uh, hit me up on there. Let me know what you got out of this episode, some key takeaways. I'd love to hear it from you. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.